I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We've been talking about how we can be together and get along together, and I've been thinking a lot about the sort of travel that we're, we're engaged in. We're starting out early in our life uh, by coming into this world having nothing, and we're going to pass out of this world having nothing. We brought nothing in. We'll take nothing out. But we do have a journey that we have to take. And as I thought about this, I, I thought about uh, how long that journey is. And, and in thinking about it, I, I tried to go back in my mind as to when people didn't have any way of measuring how far they were going. For instance, they didn't know that it was perhaps a hundred miles between one city and the next. Sometimes they talked about journeys as being a Sabbath day's journey, how long you could travel in one day. But basically, uh, they, they talked about how we can get from one place to another in a, in a period of time. For instance, if you were to two or three hundred years ago, and maybe longer than that, try to take a journey across the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, for instance, it might take you a period of two or three or four months to get from one shore to the next. And before that, it, it may have taken any longer. For instance, Clum Christopher Columbus took over a year to make his journey to the shores of the, of the North America, back to Spain. So when we talk about a journey, we're talking about a time that it takes us to get somewhere. And when we talk about crossing this country, for instance, from the east to the west, at one time it, it was a journey of three or four months by horseback or walking or in a Conestoga wagon. We can, we can make that journey pretty quickly now. We can get there in less than four hours. And I heard the other day that we can cross the Atlantic Ocean in under five hours. There's a new record set. But at one time it took a long time. And I, I, I'm here to tell you that for us to get from one end of our life to the next, it's going to take a, time, a, a period of time. It's going to take a long time. And in that journey, we're not going to be by ourselves. We're going to be with others. Think about an ocean trip. People crossing the ocean, and they were going to be contained in a ship together for three or four months. So they would have to get along during that period of time. They would have to figure out how they were going to be uh, relating to one another. And the first thing you do if you're going to take a long, long journey, you decide that, that somebody's going to be the one who tells you where to go and how to go. Somebody will be in charge. For instance, if it's an ocean journey, the uh, captain of the vessel or, or the commander of the vessel is going to have to be the one that leads. And, and I'm thinking of in terms of when uh, Lewis and Clark crossed this continent in the early 1800s, 1803, I think, 
Thomas Jefferson commissioned these two captains, and they formed a, a, a party, and uh, they, they formed a group of men, and they crossed the United States. They crossed the country looking for the Northwest Passage, basically. They, were, they, they started out in a river and hoping that they'd sail the whole continent across, which they didn't. But they, they reached a point in their journey where they didn't know where they were going or how to get there. And they ran across a young woman by the name of Sacagawea. And because she had been there before and her family had been there before, she could take them to the Pacific coast. She didn't take them all the way, but got them through the worst part. So they had someone who could tell them how to get there. If we're going to take a long, dangerous journey, a long adventure, as it were, we need someone who knows the way. We need someone who can get us across. And we need someone who can make sure that we are on the, in the right direction. So I'm talking about life, our life. And the first thing that I, I feel like we need to do, and I'm sure you do as well, we need to depend on someone who can take us from one shore to the next. And that, of course, is our God. And that's Jesus. And we depend upon Jesus because he knows the way. He knows how to get us from birth to death. He knows the way because he, he's been there. And he can take us. Now the reason he knows the way is because he depended upon his father to tell him the way to do it. And so he relied upon God the Father, and he always did what the Father told him to do. He didn't strike out on his own. He didn't venture off somewhere into unknown territory. He didn't go somewhere where he wasn't supposed to go. He did what his Father told him to do and followed his Father's instructions. Now here's some text along that line. In John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So he, he actually submitted himself to his Father's directions. His Father said, here's the way, son, here's the way you go. And Jesus said, because he had, he honored his father. He said, I'm going this way. And he made mention of that several times. It's very impressive to me. In John 6, 38, he said, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. In John 7, verse 28 and 29, it says, Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know where I came from, and I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom you know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. So Jesus is acknowledging the fact that he didn't come on his own. He's not by himself. He's traveling with somebody else. And the one he's traveling with is the one who's giving him direction and saying, Son, this is the way you go. In John 8, verse 28 and 29, Then Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself. 
But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. He that has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. We're going to go from birth to death, and we're not going to go alone. Now, there are a lot of people that try that. There are a lot of folks that say, hey, I'm going, I'm going to disconnect myself. I'm going to get off the grid and I'm going to go by my, I'm going to do this all by myself. Well, they learn eventually that they can't do it all by themselves. They have to depend upon others. And we know initially that we can't get through this life, get through this world by ourselves. We have to depend on someone, just as Jesus depended upon his Father. We need to acknowledge, at least I feel like we do, that the Father knows where we're going. And he knows how to get us there. And he sent his Son to lead us through the wilderness and to get us to the other shore. Now, that's not a good uh, metaphor. (laughs) I kind of mixed them up. He knows how to take us from this shore to the next shore and get us through the storms. In John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, he says, Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Now then, then he said, Because this commandment I received of my Father. Now he's not saying I'm doing this on my own. I'm doing this because my Father told me to do this. He said, but I can't, you can't have it, you you can't change it. He said, and I'm not going to change it because my father told me what to do. In Hebrews chapter 5 at verse 8, the text refers back to this and says, though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So that in mind, with that in mind, I understand this, that when Jesus was here and he's walking on this earth, he was walking in the direction his father gave him. And he didn't veer from that. He didn't go to one side or the other, and he didn't argue with the father. He said, I do always those things that please him. No argument, no controversy. Sometimes... He had problems with this because when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he, he wasn't really sure that he wanted to go to the cross. And I think we need to be very careful when you look at that. It's not as if he's objecting to what his father's asking him to do. He knew within himself the kind of pain it was going to cause his father. He was not a coward. He was not reticent to suffer. He was not a man who who stepped back and said, no, I don't want to go this way. He was a man who was concerned about the love of his father. He knew that what he was going to do was going to hurt his father. Going to hurt him. You've heard people say this before when they're going to discipline their child. This is going to hurt hurt me more than it does you. Well, it was going to hurt the father more than it did the son. And that's why Jesus was saying, Take this cup from me, nevertheless, your will be done. So he was letting his father do what his father knew had to be done, but it was going to hurt his father, and Jesus knew that. So, but he still went ahead and did it. And in that, doing that, we, we understand that when Jesus assumed that role of the obedient son, that he also qualified himself 
to be my leader. So, when he, when he died on the cross and he came back, his father gave him all authority and said, Now, son, you tell them what to do. So, so now then, I look to Jesus because he's been there and he's been back. He knows the way. He knows which way I ought to go and how to, how to do it. And so in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, he came to the disciples. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That word power means authority. He said, now my father tells me, I have all authority to tell you which way you ought to go. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Jesus, while he was on this earth, did what the Father told him to do. And while he was here, he related to us, to mankind. And we're going to refer to these as I go along to this concept. But Jesus had to relate to other people while he was keeping the commandments of his Father. He never harmed another human being. He was never mean nor snarly in his relationship with others. He knew he was traveling with them. We're all in this together, basically. He knew that. And he knew that as he walked among men... He did not want to create trouble, stir up strife. He wasn't a bully. He taught that in order to get along with his father, it would be necessary for him to love him and to keep his commandments. He knew that. And that wouldn't always be compatible with the people that he was around. Now, this means that as we're going through this life... We're following Jesus, but we're also traveling together. You, you can't walk this road of life by yourself. We've known that. We've always known that. It's, it's not that type of a journey. We're along with other people. And being along with other people, we have a responsibility to get along together, to, get, to, get, to be able to behave one another with one another, and to agree. In Amos chapter 3 at verse 3, the Old Testament said it a long time ago, can two walk together except they be agreed? We have to understand as we walk with others that we need to be in, in agreement with each other. That we know that we're, we're instructed to live with God. So the first thing we do is we say, okay, Lord, we know that in order for us to, to get through this life in one piece, we, we need to follow you. You're the commander. You are the, you're the ultimate authority, and you sent your son to show us how to do it, to get us through this life. But we also know that we're going to be involved with other people, like on a ship. If you get on a ship from one to in one shore, and it takes you to another shore, you're going to be with other people. You're going to be around the other people. And you really need to be somewhat compatible. You need to be somewhat in agreement with one another. Now, our agreement starts out with our agreement with God. Now, whatever I do, I have to please Him. The two commandments of the law and the two commandments that we find in the Bible altogether is, 
to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you have to really look at these two commandments because they're different. They're extremely different. We sometimes try to make sure that they're they're the same, but they're not. You love the Lord one way and you love your neighbor the other way. And that, 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 that will become apparent. We're instructed to live with God, so we try to live our lives up to the standard that God has given us. And He is holy, so we in our own lives try to be holy. He is holy, and therefore we ought to be holy. In 1 Peter 1 verse 14, that means He's different. And if we're going to be with Him, we're going to be different. So that means that in some way, when we're together as people, that we are different in some sense. Because everybody does not want to follow God. Everybody does not want to be with Him. And everyone is not going to want to accept His guidance and His instructions. Now, there are, I believe there are three different types of relationships that we have with other human beings. And let me, let me stop right away and say this. Because we all accept it, even though it's not an axiom in the Bible anywhere, but we all accept this. And that is that we need to make sure that we make the proper kind of companions in our life. That, that we choose our friends well and our enemies well. That we make sure that we find those that are going to be most beneficial to us and us to them. When I was younger, my mother always taught me to be careful who I made friends with. She was concerned. Be sure you don't run with a bad crowd. That's what we said as we got older. Bonnie and I did. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends. And when you choose your friends correctly, you're actually choosing someone who is in agreement with your lifestyle, basically. People that you get along with. Choose your friends. And so we do that. We, we try to do that. But there are three different types of individuals that we can travel along with in our journey. Three different types. Now, I don't know whether you've thought about this much or not, but I have. The First of all, there's the, the uh, type of people that are sort of at an arm's length. And that's, that's the people that uh, are congenial. People we just run across. You know them. You, you, you become familiar with them. You, you, you run across them. You, you meet them in the grocery store. Maybe it's a checker in the grocery store. Maybe it's a ticket taker. Maybe it's the waiter. Maybe it's the chef. Whoever it may be, you don't really have a close relationship. You just know them. You're congenial. And so God says, what, what you do with this type of relationship, it doesn't require that you develop any deep feelings for them. It's just that you make sure that in everything you do, you do the right thing toward them. You treat them well. You treat them with dignity and with respect. Galatians 6 verse 9 and 10 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. Do good unto all men. Now that's what Jesus did. He was always doing good to all men. But, friend, that doesn't mean that they were in a close relationship with Jesus. 
Those he ran across, someone said they need something. Here's my, here's my friend, he's lame, help him. Jesus helped him. Here's, here's someone along the side of the road says, I can't see. Jesus gave him his sight. Someone came up and said, I, I have leprosy and nobody wants to have anything to do with me. And Jesus touched him and took his leprosy away. Somebody cried out and said, uh, said, my son is dead. The widow of Nain came along and she was weeping and carrying her only son in a beer on the shoulders of the, the mourners. And, and Jesus stopped them and he raised the boy from the dead and gave him back to his mama. Well, that was a casual relationship. That, that was a congenial relationship. We're not mixed up in their lives, people we run across all the time. We don't get mixed up in other people's lives, but we do get along. We get along together because uh, the nearest thing we have to a relationship is to tell them about Jesus. We can do that. But even then, we're told, if they don't want to hear about Jesus, get away from them. Stay away. This is not the kind of relationship you need. As a matter of fact, he told the apostles in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 15, he sent them out to preach the kingdom. And he said, when you go, he said, don't take your script, don't take an extra pair of shoes or a wrap or a cloak. He said, don't worry about that. Whatever town you come to and they receive you, they like you, they want you there, stay with them. But if they don't want you, get away from them. Shake the dust off your feet. So there is, a, there is a congenial relationship. It's not that you abuse these people or pursue these people. He said, keep your nose out of their business. This isn't your business. Don't harm anybody. Don't cause them any grief. Help them when you can. Treat them how you want to be treated. Smile, be pleasant, don't bark or curse at anyone, don't criticize, leave them alone. You, you can have that relationship. Jesus told His disciples, praying for them, in Matthew, in John chapter 17, verse 15, He, he told the Father, the Father, He said, I'm not taking, taking them out of the world, I just don't want them consumed by the world. I don't want them caught up in the world. So we have to live among people. But Jesus said, be careful. Be careful with who you befriend. And he said, he told his own apostles in Matthew chapter 10, 16 through 23. He introduced them initially by saying, I'm going to send you to preach and tell them. And you don't have to worry about what you're going to say because I'll inspire you at that time. You'll, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. But he says, you're going to be sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Be careful. Choose your friends carefully. Choose carefully. So now then, we have that arm's length relationship that Jesus said, always do good. That's the good Samaritan relationship, you know, when you come across someone who's in trouble. Jesus said, help them. Help them. But choose your relationship and keep your nose clean and your shoes tied. Be sure that you react and act circumspectly in these situations. Now that's, that's one relationship. That's, that's one type of person that you're traveling along with. You're just not that caught up and mixed up in their lives. You'll do them good when you have an opportunity to do good. Otherwise, 
Don't mix yourself up in their life. Be separate. The other is the shared space. Now that's a tougher one. That's a companionable relationship. That means that it's often a pleasant relationship and sometimes it's an unpleasant relationship. That's that neighbor that's nearby that, that you have to know, that you need to know, that, that, uh, that lives close to you, that his life touches yours or her life touches you in some way. You may have, as a matter of fact, you may have gone to school together. You have school companions. My mother always taught me at school to be sure that I chose my friends right. And, of course, that happened in school. And so if I got close to someone, it was someone that had the same values that I had. And this, again, is a word of caution. The values that I have are meaningless. It's the value that my Savior has, that Jesus has, that I want to endorse, and that I'm looking for someone who has that same value system. That companion, then, we, we, can, we can have a companionship. We might, have, we might be on the same career trajectory. We may have a business associate. That's the one, that, that companion. We're getting close. Our neighbors, our public officials, we may be in a club together. So we're looking at something that's closer than just congenial people that are around us. Now we're mixed up in somebody else's life. Somehow... We've gotten mixed up in somebody else's life. In a charity, in a community endeavor, in politics and sports, we're thrown together through our normal, daily, and extracurricular activities. But the believer, the one who believes in Jesus Christ, carries the same obligations into these arrangements. When these relationships go sour, we're told to get away from them. Now that... I'm afraid some people don't understand. When a relationship goes sour, remove yourself from that and don't create problems. I'm going to look at a text that we look, we've looked at before and maybe give you a little more insight into what, what the Jesus is saying. I'd like you to look with me in, in your Bible, if, if it's handy, in Matthew chapter 6. Because this text gives people a lot of problems and probably gets us into more trouble than, than it should. In, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is uh, talking about relationships. Pardon me, I'll get there in just a minute. Uh, verse 38, I think it starts. I don't think I've got a 38 in Matthew chapter 6. It's Matthew chapter five. My notes are my notes are misleading me. Matthew chapter five verse thirty eight says, "You have heard that it had been said of them, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat." Let him have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that ask you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn down not away. You have heard that it have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, 
Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans the same? If you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now we, we look at this always, we always look at this as if it's a positive activity on our part. Basically, what it is, is someone who is going to create problems in our life. They're going to create problems. Somebody's going to slap me because he doesn't like me. And so what Jesus is saying, what is he saying? He says, turn the other cheek. What he's telling me is, don't continue that argument. Don't get yourself involved in that strife. Get away from it. Stop it. Not eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Shut it down. Close it off. Don't do any more. Somebody, somebody else says, uh, well, okay, they want me to travel with them a mile. He said, go too. And get that stopped. Get that controversy shut down. Quit quarreling, quit fighting, quit biting at one another. Stop it. And he's not telling both parties. He's telling the believer. <laughs> he's saying, it doesn't, doesn't take two of you. It takes two to tango, obviously, two to fight. But he's saying, in order to stop that fight, you get out of it. Get away from that fight. Don't you retaliate. Because that will just continue the fight on and on and on. So he's telling us, in that companionship relationship, because we are close to that partner, he's saying, get out of that squabble. Quit it. Now, he's not saying just keep sticking your nose out for somebody to punch it. He's saying, go the extra mile, but stop it. Shut it down. Shut it down. Don't go any further. Here's a guy who wants to take you for a mile. Give him two. Satisfy the guy and get away from him. You're not going to stop his attitude. We, we think because we are going to do what God wants us to do that other people are going to reciprocate and do something nice back. That's not going to happen. Realistically, that does not happen. If you're in a quarrel with someone, someone's fighting and nipping at you and trying to get to you and saying mean things about you, shut up. Get away from it. Because if you get involved in it, it's not going to stop. It won't stop. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So, he's, his advice is not, go after these guys and change them. <laughs> that won't work. How do you change someone that wants to hit you in the face? Well, remove your face from the, from the fray. Get away. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, someone wants to make you go with them a mile, go with them too. Satisfy him, get him satisfied, and get away from him. Get away. Get out of that area of conflict. You can't change people and make them do what you want them to do by battling with them. It just does not work. And he said, be like your Father in heaven. What did the Father do? Well, God and Jesus did not snuggle up with sinners and with those who, who oppose them. Matter of fact, when Jesus got into controversy with people, you know what he did? He walked away from them. He got away from them. He got away. Get yourself out of the fight. 
That's what Jesus did in Luke chapter 4, verse 30. He was in Nazareth. And after he spoke, they didn't like what he said. So they decided they'd throw him over a cliff, kill him. And you know what the text says? Luke 4, verse 30 says, But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. He went his way. He didn't turn around and say, Hey, what are you guys trying to do to me? He went his way. He stopped the controversy. Now, I, I, I said a while ago I was going to relate, tell you something about the first and second commandment. The first commandment is the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's what he tells us to do. The second commandment does not tell me to love my neighbor with my whole heart, mind, and soul. It says, love my neighbor as myself. I should treat him just like I treat myself. So that's the love that God intends. God said, well, he sent his reign on the just and the unjust. That does not mean that he favored the just or the unjust in his reign. It simply means that he, he dealt indiscriminately with everyone. Treated them all alike. So however you treat those who love you, you treat those who hate you. But don't stay in the fight. Get out of the fight. Get away from it. And get some peace in your life. Now that's basically, I think, is what he's saying in, in, in this context about uh, loving your neighbor as yourself and, and getting, getting away from those who want to make trouble for you. Okay, now we have one more area that gets us a little, a little more difficult. And that, that gets us into this area of the compatible relationship that we have. So we've had, we have one relationship with our fellow man. That is that we're just uh, arm's length. We, people, we're just around people. We're nice to everybody. Other people are nice to us. When they're not nice to us, then we get away from it. We stay away from those who don't want to be nice to you. The second one is you you get a little closer and you've got a you've got a different kind of relationship and so now you're 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 companions with them. But now then we get into a personal relationship, a close personal relationship. Now then you're going to travel through your life side by side, and the one you think about right away is marriage. So you you start out together. Not when you're little, but you start out together as you get older and you choose your mate. Now, choosing your mate sometimes is, is a difficult thing to do, but we do choose our mate. We choose them, and then the choice we make, we have to remember is that we make the choice that we're going we're gonna to be together in this journey, and we may be able to in the house together for months on end. So now then, we've gotta, we have to be compatible not only companionable, but we have to be compatible. And when we have fusses, when we get into disagreements with each other, not just marriage disagreements, but we're talking about family relationships, sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, so forth, close friends, long-time relationships. By extension, it is a relationship between believers in Christ. Because we have looked for those who have the same standards and ideals that we have. If you believe in Jesus Christ, He's the Son of God, I've got something in common with you. And pretty soon we're going to get together and we're going to say, hey, we like, we like being together because we're standing for that which is right and just and, and good. We're with God in this matter and with Jesus Christ. 
So we're talking about close personal relationships. And when we have a problem in a close personal relationship, Jesus said, here's how you resolve it. So he talked about, for instance, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, he said, Moreover, if your brother trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. All right. We're traveling together. We're close. We're compatible. We've said, okay, we want to be in this together. We're a family. And that's the church is sometimes called a family. So we, we have, what we're talking about is a family relationship, a very close companionship. And one of us gets out of line. One of us gets out of hand. Whether it's a husband or wife, son or daughter, brother or sister, aunt or uncle, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, whatever it may be. Jesus said, here's the way you should have handled that when you have a problem. He said, if your brother trespasses against you, go tell him. So if someone does something, maybe they steal something from you. Go tell him. Maybe he'll give it back. Okay. He said, no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to give that back. So he said, okay, take two witnesses. Take one or two witnesses. That means somebody that knows it was yours, and he took it. And it just doesn't mean go get somebody that sides with you. <laughs> sometimes we see that. Sometimes we hear that. Well, well come. Well, this, we, we're having an argument. Who, who do you think is right? That's not fair. You don't come and ask someone to take your side in an argument. If it's an argument, if, if you're arguing with someone, you need to settle it. Get out of that dispute. Settle it. Get away from it. Because God doesn't want you in that, and you shouldn't be in that. And he says, it's, that's that slapping the other, the other cheek. Get away. He said, take one or two witnesses. If they hear you, you've won your brother. If, if they don't listen to the witnesses, if they just said, no, I'm not going to give it back. It's mine. I, I stole your bicycle. Everybody knows it's your bicycle. And here's two people that know it was your bicycle, know you had the bicycle, and they know that you stole their, his bicycle. Okay, if he gives it back and apologizes, you've won your brother. What if he doesn't? You know what he says? Get away from him. Now, get away from him. That's what he says. You say, wait a minute, preacher. You're supposed to love your brother. Sure you love your brother. But he, he tells you to stay out of these fights with your brother. Stay out of a squabble with your brother. He said, if, if, if he won't listen to the church, and the church was the community, the people that, that they had respect for. In the Old Testament, it was the Israelites in, in their community. And they probably gathered around the synagogue, and they could hash these things out. But if they won't hear your companions, they won't hear the people they respect, he says, get away from them. Treat them like a publican. Treat them like a Gentile. Treat them like someone who you're not related to. Basically, he's saying, get away from that person. Stay away, because that's going to be trouble for you. And yet, in all we do, we should be nice, we should be kind, and we should be forgiving. Jesus was talking to Peter at one time and the apostles and he was telling them that, uh, that they needed to forgive those who have sinned against them. 
And so Peter got this idea. He said, well, how far should we go? If they if they sin against somebody sins against me, how, how often should I forgive them? This, of course, this is in, in Matthew chapter 19. He said, uh, should I do it seven times? And Jesus said, 70 times seven. Every time they come back and say, I'm sorry, I repent, I'm going to change, forgive them. Of course, if a person doesn't ask you to forgive them, you can't forgive them. What, what would you forgive them for if they don't ask? So there's, there's some problems involved in this. The early church had lots of difficulties trying to get along together. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting to me. Almost in every book that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church, he wrote trying to resolve issues that these folks were having with each other because they just didn't seem to want to get along together. And they were, they were having problems. And they were in this compatible situation. They had to be around each other. And when we choose companions to, to walk with us and to be with us during this life, he said, sometimes we run into these problems. And he said, here, okay, here in Ephesians chapter 4, and he starts the book of Ephesians out in chapter 1, talking about how that the church ought to be one. Everybody who believes in Jesus Christ should be in one body, who we'll all be together. And he continues that conversation, and he gets down to chapter 4, and he, he actually tells us how you do it. So here's, here's, the, here's the issue. Whether it's a marriage situation, whether it's a friendship situation, whether it's a relationship situation, and I forgot to mention the fact that that it sometimes requires that we get away from even the, that close relationship, because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, when Peter asked the question, when he thought that he was having to give up everything for Jesus, Jesus said, everyone who has forsaken mother or father. There's a key phrase. Everyone who has forsaken. Sometimes you're going to have to forsake a relationship just to get along with God and with everybody else that's, that's, uh, that you can get along with. Okay, here's how he said to do it. So he starts out in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says, here's how you can get along together. Now think, of, think in terms of not just the church, but think in terms of any relationship you have with your friends, with your family, with close relationships, with, with people that you started out in an enterprise with. Think about it this way. Okay, he says, here's how you get along together. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I'll tell you what, when you start lying to one another, you're going to rupture that relationship. You can't get along together if you lie. Be angry and sin not. And people have a lot of problems with this one. They say, okay, I can get angry, but I, I don't have to sin when I get angry. Well, that's not what it says. He's telling you, don't get angry. And if you do get angry, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't, don't, let, don't let people go to bed with that on their mind. Don't go to bed with that in your heart. Don't grieve over it all night. Don't think about it. Don't lose sleep over it. And don't let them lose sleep over it. Don't get mad at people. Don't get angry. And, and uh, of course, James chapter 1 says, the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. He says, neither give place to the devil. So, we have one companion in our life, and that should be Jesus. If you have another companion, that's the devil, then it's going to be tough to get along together. 
Let him that stole steal no more. How can how can you get along with someone who steals from you? How can you how can they get along with you if you steal from them? Taking things from them that does not belong to you. I've heard so many times recently of grandchildren that have been stealing from their grandparents. That's going to rupture your relationship for sure. That's that you can't continue on a relationship when that happens. And it, it happens with children stealing from their parents. It, I, very seldom do I hear about a, a parent stealing from the child unless it's involved in a drug situation where the parent just is addicted to something and has to get money any way they can. But generally, the kids and grandkids steal from their parents and grandparents. Now, how do you stay together in a situation like that? You can't. He said, and let, he said uh, work with your own hands. How, how can I be lazy and you be energetic and enthusiastic? Well, it's not going to work. We have to be compatible. We have to, we have to be compatible. <laughs> we just have to get along. And you get along by sharing the workload. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't, don't say things to people that's going to hurt them. Don't say dirty things to them for sure. But say things that are good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. Let the Holy Spirit produce fruit in your life. If the Holy Spirit's not producing fruit, you're not going to get along very well. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Those were the instructions that the Apostle Paul gave through the Holy Spirit of how, when you get into a compatible situation, husband, wife, family, church, good friends, this holds you together, but it'll tear you apart if you're not careful. Conversely, it appears to be all of you, doesn't it? Okay. So they're saying, okay, okay, now you're reading this and you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, God is requiring that of me. It's all up to me. Okay, Lord, if I do all this, will it change these folks? Will they be nicer to me? Will everybody be nice to me if I do this? If I don't steal, will they not steal from me? If I don't lie about them, they won't lie about me? He's not saying, Bill, it's all up to you. He's saying it's up to everybody, really. But it's not up to me to take all the brunt of having to make sure that I can hold everybody together. Right? In a family, it's not just one person that holds everybody together. It doesn't work that way. So I look at it and I say, Lord, what are you asking me to do? He's asking me to do what he says here. And if they do that, then it'll work. But if they don't, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to say some things. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6 says, Give not that which is holy to the dogs. So God does not expect us to continue, to continue, to continue to try to do good things to people to get them to change. He's not telling us to do that. He said, don't cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under feet and turn again and rend you. 
They can eat you alive. Eat you alive. Matthew 5 at verse 12, Jesus was talking to a group of Pharisees who should have been on His side. And He was talking to the disciples. And He told them that the, that the Pharisees had made a mistake. They were binding their opinion as God's law. And they were neglecting to honor their mother and father. And He said they were wrong in that. And the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Hey, you've, you've hurt their feelings. You shouldn't have said that to them. And Jesus said, let them alone. Whoa, wait a minute. Let them alone. What do you do? When someone opposes themselves, opposes God and opposes everybody else, what do you do? Stay with them? Stay after them? Keep trying to get them to be nice? To do right? What satisfaction can you have in that? It says, no, don't do that. Jesus said, let them alone. Leave them alone. The blind follow the blind, they shall both fall into the ditch. We don't go along with the things that are wrong. 1 Peter 4 verse 4 says, They think it's strange that you do not run with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. So you don't go along with people that are perpetuating evil. What do you do? I'll tell you, I, I, I have really felt bad for some people who have been trying and trying and trying to make peace and to make sure that they're walking upright and other people that they're working with and trying to be peaceful with are not cooperating. And yet the folks that are trying seem to feel guilty that they can't get it done. I just can't make it work. I can't. We can't have peace. We can't have people. People don't like each other. People don't want to get around. Get, people don't want to be around me. Well, if people don't want to be around you because of who you are and you're not right, that's one thing. If they don't want to be around you because you're living with Jesus, that's something else. But you know what the Apostle Paul said about this? When people want to create problems in your life, and the only people that can create problems to you with you are not those that are arm length. The checker at the grocery store, even though she insults you, she doesn't affect your life. If she acts surly and, and crabby and so forth, that, that's okay. And if the waitress or the waiter at the, at the uh, restaurant doesn't wait on you on time, you feel like you've been neglected, that's okay. You can get over that. But it's the people that are close to you. It's the people that are right up next to you. The companionable people the uh, the compatible people, they, they can hurt you. So he says, what, what does Paul say do? Here's what you do. He said, Romans 16, 17, he says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Quit sticking your chin out to get it hit again. Avoid them. That's interesting, isn't it? And he says in in Second uh, Thessalonians three at verse six, he said, "We command you, brethren," and it's not just a a, a recommendation. He's 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 setting forth a commandment that they behave in such a way that they protect themselves and they protect others from those who want to make trouble and make life miserable for you. He said, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walks disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So what do we do? You get away from them. You get away. Remove yourself from the fight. Get away from that. Okay. Jesus said that we should love one another as God loved us. And we love one another as we love ourselves. He, he tells us that we ought to love our neighbor. We ought to do good to them, and that's exactly what we should do. But when the good is not returned, and when we have trouble, what do we do? Well, we don't just keep at it. You have to stop at some point and say, just like Jesus did when they tried to throw him over the cliff, he walked away, he got away from it. Walk away, get out of it. And when we get with people that we should be companionable with, and they're trying to make a fight, they hate you, and they're after you, take it, and as quick as you can, stop the fight. Stop it. Strike you on the one hand, on one cheek, turn the other also. Get it shut down. Shut that controversy down and get away from it. That's the point. And when you, when you talk about those who are really close in the family, and you know that's sometimes extremely hard. Somebody in the family is making so much trouble and, and raising so much controversy. What do you do? The Bible says get away from it. Get away from it. I don't care if it is your family. Get away from it. Get yourself out of that situation because it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. It's not good for anybody. Get away from a bad situation. God help you to be good to everybody. But God also help you see and be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and get out of those bad situations. Get yourself out of them. 